Welcome to Friday Friends, RI Elder Info's weekly look at the organizations and individuals providing resources for Rhode Island seniors, caregivers, and professionals. Good morning, everyone. Happy Friday. It's nine o'clock on Friday. So you know that this is Friday Friends coming to you on Facebook and YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. And our topic today is something that could literally save your life or the life of someone you know. So super important that you hit the like button, the share button, all those social media indicators that tell people they really need to check this out because today's conversation really could save a life. Super important. So hit the like, the share, all those fun things. And as you know, I'm Deb Burton, Executive Director of RI Elder Info, and we are a nonprofit here in Rhode Island. And what we do every week, bringing you Friday friends and coming out into the community with information and resources and maintaining rielderinfo.com, simply would not be possible without the support of our sponsors. So a huge thank you to Point32 Health and to Aetna, to United Health, Neighborhood Health, Oak Street Health, 321 Media, England Studio, and all of our individual donors and sponsors. We really could not do this without you. And it is through your generous support that today's information may save a life, including your own. So without further ado, I would like to welcome Dr. Do- welcome Dr. Dauphiné. Hi, Hi Doctor, how you. are you? Great, thanks. Well, I'm so glad that you were able to come on today and take the time out of your very busy schedule. Um, can you share with everybody what your role is at Optum so that they understand your background and expertise. Okay. So I'm the medical director for Optum Senior Community Care in Rhode Island and Connecticut. And we uh, oversee the care of individuals who are on the United Healthcare uh, Nursing Home Plan in skilled nursing facilities uh, and in senior living as well. So individuals who are in assisted living uh, will oversee the clinical aspect of their care with nurse practitioners that are assigned to the individual they can give a focused uh, personalized care that is awesome now doctor you and i were recently in a meeting together and one of the things that came up during the meeting is a, a high percentage of individuals who are coming into the hospital with something called sepsis are coming in from home can you please explain what sepsis is sure so sepsis i mean is an inflammatory condition that is basically our body's hyperinflammatory response. So when we get sick, when we get sick with an infection, uh, our bodies will respond by trying to take care of it. And there's a lot of things that will happen, changes in the vasculature, changes in, in inflammatory signals that go through the body, trying to help us fight off that infection, which is great, except sometimes the body overreacts. And sometimes the the response is too much and we actually start getting damage to tissues or organs in the body. And this can lead to a a severe infection that's going through the bloodstream, 
to other organs uh, and ultimately can cause what we call vascular collapse, which is where our blood pressures drop very low and we can't sustain blood getting to vital organs. And that, that can ultimately lead to death. Oh, so and something we watch out for. The most recent example that's probably in everybody's mind is COVID-19. The times that people were hospitalized was a type of hyperinflammatory response when our own bodies were, were becoming uh, overwhelmed by our own our ways we're trying to fight the infection. Uh, and that led to the discovery of a lot of the different ways of how you treat and when you treat in certain in ways for that. Most commonly, sepsis is related to bacterial infections. Traditionally, we think of bacterial infections that occur either in the lungs, uh, in the urine, or on the skin as, as being some of the most common types of infections that people will have leading to sepsis. So I think a lot of times um, people aren't clear on the difference between a bacterial infection or a viral infection, um, which one, you know, can be treated with antibiotics, the other one that, you know, you can kind of let it ride. And mm -hmm. of course, everybody watching, always talk to your doctor about these things. Yeah. <laughs> What's the difference between the two? Like, what do they look like? Is there symptoms? It's, so, it, it's hard to distinguish the two, even, even for your doctor. It's going to be mm -hmm. hard to distinguish the two. It's essentially what is the difference between different types of organisms? Is it a bacteria or a virus? Viral infections will tend to cause certain types of symptoms or affect certain areas. Most common we think of are upper respiratory infections, things that are occurring uh, in the nasopharynx, so in the nose, uh, your common cold, right? That's almost always a viral infection. When it gets to be deep-seated, when it tends to be prolonged, uh, when it tends to have a, an ongoing fever, uh, that tends to be more bacterial. Uh, particularly, we think of things like a sinus infection or a, a deep lung infection uh, or, a pro, or an ear infection, something where it gets stuck in the area. We tend to think of those as bacterial. They can be viral or bacterial. A flu is a good example. Flu is a virus, but it usually starts with a syndrome that affects the upper airways, but it can get into the lungs and cause a pneumonia. Uh, just mm -hmm. normally we think of pneumonia as being a, a bacterial infection, but there are some characteristics that will make you think of either flu or COVID uh, as a pneumonia based upon how it presents in the, in the lungs themselves. What area does it stick to one part of the lung versus different parts of the lungs? And that's where your, your doctor and the diagnostic tests like an x-ray and simple things like using a stethoscope to listen to the lungs makes a huge, huge difference. And so for these kinds of infections, I think sometimes people refer to them um, as blood poisoning or the infection just went throughout their body. Is it, is, are these infections, are they limited to things that are in upper respiratory or can it be if you have an abrasion or for example, um, my friend's mom got bitten by her cat mm -hmm. and she ended mm -hmm. up having to, to go to the hospital for that. Right. Are there other ways that 
infections can become septic other than just like your lungs and your your sinuses yeah. and throat? And, yeah, any infection can lead to uh, sepsis. Uh, luckily, it's not super common relative to the amount of infections people have. So that's great. Mm -hmm. uh, but it can occur with any infection uh, ranging from uh, as we already mentioned, uh, skin is a is a common area that doesn't uh, get thought about until later. So if someone has a cellulitis uh, where they have a red, hot red area on the skin that's starting to spread, uh, that can ultimately lead to sepsis. Uh, you mentioned an abrasion or a, a bite or a scratch. Uh, those things can lead to a sepsis. Uh, a boil that's not seen. Uh, can lead to, to sepsis. Um, and of course, urinary infections and uh, lung infections, we've already mentioned, sinus infections. Um, those all can, can lead to it. It's a matter of the infection getting out of control. That, that's essentially what it is. Many times our body starts the initial process and starts to take care of the infection, which is great. As we get older, our ability to manage the infection just is, deteriorates. It's not as effective as it was in your 20s or 30s. Like a lot of things in life aren't quite as effective as they were in your 20s and 30s. Um, so that's where early, early recognition, early treatment is essential. And I think, you know, we have a lot of folks who watch of different ages. Sepsis isn't limited to something that happens to just older people. It can happen to the kids who scrape their knees too, right? It can happen to anyone. Most common are older individuals or individuals below the age of one. So that okay. those are the two most common age groups, particularly over 65 or less than one. But every single age group, it can, it can occur. And many of us have heard of the uh, teenage athlete who ended up with a, a boil on their backside, uh, had a, a, a resistant staph infection, and ended up in the hospital uh, from being sick. Uh, and that was they didn't recognize the infection, didn't get on the treatment uh, that worked, or they might have gotten on a treatment, but it wasn't quite the right one. And so if, if they're not improving after two to three days, which most people should. They may get a tiny bit worse over a day or so of initiating the treatment. But within two to three days, if you're not getting better or if you're worsening, then you need to get back to your doctor again. You need to speak to somebody, uh, your doctor, your doctor's nurse at the very least, to be able to find, evaluate, are you on the right treatment? Are you progressing appropriately, improving? Or do we need to change the treatment? Because as noted, these things don't come with a neon sign over their head saying, hi, I'm <laughs> Staphylococcus uh, aureus that's now going, getting ready to go into your bloodstream. There's no neon sign up here. That would make it so much easier. It would. <laughs> what are the signs and symptoms that something is really amiss and you may be looking at sepsis? So we've got signs that are in symptoms that we like to use for the general population, which are great. Mm -hmm. Fever, high heart rate, high respiratory rate. So what does that mean? Fever, we typically use over 100. Heart rate, we typically use over, over 100. Respiratory rate, over 20 or 22. If we see the blood pressure going, the systolic blood pressure going below 100, 
So those are the three 100s, systolic okay. blood pressure going between low 100, heart rate going below 100, uh, and temperature going above 100. But as in individuals case, are... Oh, go I ahead. just want to ask real quick, just in case people aren't sure which number is systolic and which one is diastolic in your blood pressure, which the one's top which? Number. So the if your top, top number. number is under 100, seek help quickly. Right, right. Unless you're one of those individ rare individuals where that's where your blood pressure normally lies, which brings us to an important point is mm -hmm. it's not a pure numbers game. It's not a pure diagnostics game. It's how have things changed? So there are many older individuals who don't have a normal temperature of 98.6. Their normal temperature might be lower than that. So if they go up uh, temperature goes up two points, then, hey, they may be showing signs of having a elevated temperature and potentially signs of being septic. Their pulse may be lower naturally uh, or may be lower because of medications that somebody like myself may have given them. Uh, so in that case, we may not be able to tell. So we have to use a little different criteria. And essentially, it comes down to what's changed, what's not not quite right with the with someone are they not acting themselves so we look for someone who may have an altered mental status they may not be acting themselves they may have trouble functioning you know i can't even get out of the chair today uh, they may have be feeling uh, warm or shaking but not really showing the the temperature or more importantly with the pulse uh, it's just different. It's up higher than it normally. They're sitting in the chair. Normally their pulse is 60 or 70s. Nobody should have a pulse in the hundreds when they're sitting mm -hmm. in a chair. But if they're up in the 80s, high 80s and 90s, but normally they're in the 60s and they're feeling a little bit harder mm -hmm. to breathe, that needs to be checked out. This is, these aren't things that you, you continue to, to wait on. These are things you give a call and say, hey, it, this is not getting better. This is getting worse. Because initially, the, your doctor may see you and may say, you, you know what, there's been this cold that's been going around, and it, it sounds like that's what you have. And it mm -hmm. may look that way initially, but then it, it could have progressed. So what we're looking for are changes that are abnormal. We're looking for not getting better uh, or getting worse. Mm -hmm. uh, and just simply loss of function uh, and ability to get through the day, things that are have indicated that there is something different, something is not right, is essentially what we're, we're coming down to. And when someone is not feeling well, what are the top three things that they need to go seek emergency medical care? They need to go to the ER right away. So there, yeah. <laughs> there are a number of things we could choose from. Uh, but when it comes to the, the infection, uh, an infection that's been progressing is if they've had an infection, it's continued to, to worsen. Uh, they're having worsening symptoms that are making it harder and harder to function. That they're uh, either having, they're having a change in one of these uh, signs that we've already mentioned, uh, temperature that's elevated along with uh, one another change, such as pulse being elevated, uh, respirations being elevated, 
we not a lot of people are walking around with a blood pressure cuff attached to their their arm uh so an alternative to that is simply um if you're feeling like you're getting lightheaded or dizzy that's a sign that you may be having some issues you may not be having the same blood pressure that you need to perfuse your your brain as you normally would so you might be trying to get up and getting lightheaded and, and dizzy um, these are times that you should be checking with your doctor, giving your doctor a call. Uh, they could be innocuous signs that, hey, you, you need to uh, drink a little bit more and continue on with the treatment plan, or they may be signs that, that something is is not going well and you need to get it evaluated more rapidly. It, when I heard in our meeting that it was over 80-some percent of folks in the ER had sepsis, had this infection going on, it just blew me away because it can have such real devastating consequences that I'm so glad that you were able to take your time out. I know doctor's times these days is so precious. I'm glad you're able to come on and talk about this because I think a lot of times, you know, we might have that cut, that bump, that sniffle, that little cough. And it could be something so much more, and we don't often think about that. Um, so I'm glad you're able to come. <laughs> Thankfully, most of the time, those things are not much. So most of the time, we, there's not much that we have to do other than the basics, clean the area if it's, if it's cut or uh, getting the antibiotic if you need one, uh, treating the symptoms, getting the rest, getting the fluids. Uh, most of the time, that's fine. Uh, but again, if it's not getting better, if it's worsening, it, don't just say, oh, you know, it'll five days later, seven days later. Uh, this is what we see when people come into the hospital and, and they're septic is uh, they were continuing to wait when they were seeing things get worse. So if you're seeing it get worse, if you're not seeing any improvement, definitely contact your, your physician right away. Uh, get to be uh, evaluated. Uh, make sure that you're on the appropriate treatment. If it's continuing, if they are keeping you on the same course and it's continuing to not improve, what they're expecting is that if you're not improving, you're calling back and you're following through. They know these things can happen, but the expectation is that uh, if someone is not improving or if they're worsening, they will call back so that they can follow up and say, oh, the treatment plan wasn't progressing as we anticipated. Now we need to make an adjustment. Now we may need to be a, a little bit more aggressive. It's a continuum. Most of the time things get better, but unfortunately sometimes they don't. And we need to know when it's starting to shift from that getting better and going appropriate uh, to now being something more emergent. And the life you save may be your own. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on today, doctor. I really, really do appreciate it. I think this is one of those thank things you. that we don't often think about and it's so important. So thank you. Thank you. Everybody, this was one of those things that when I heard it, it really just blew me away. Truly the life you save in sharing this video could be your own. It could be someone you love, you care about, one of your neighbors, one of your friends. So please, hit the like button, hit the share button, because this is a little more common than even I had realized. 
And of course, I've mentioned it before, if anybody has a sudden alteration in how they're feeling, how they're speaking, how they're behaving, you need to call 911 and get them help right away. Um, but we want to make sure that all of our Friday friends out there stay safe and healthy. Why? So you can join us next week because I enjoy talking to you. I look forward to seeing you all next week. In the meantime, be well and be kind. If you like this video, please follow us on social media and subscribe on YouTube. For more information, visit rielderinfo.com or call 401-585-0509. If you have any questions, email deb at rielderinfo.com.